bound by common interests. James and Alice Benton, Melanie's parents, ruled over the second-largest plantation in the county, but their holdings were only slightly less than Gracefield, the Rockland estate. Theirs was a feudal society, and it was no less rigid than the world of the Middle Ages. At the bottom of the pyramid lay the black slaves, owners of nothing, not even their own bodies. Over them, the poor whites struggling for survival. Next were the shopkeepers and small businessmen, then the professional men, the lawyers and doctors who touched on all worlds. At the top, at the apex of Virginia society of 1840, were the elite group of plantation owners whose estates ran into thousands of acres, and whose whims were law to the slaves and free whites who kept the cotton and rice flowing out of the rich earth. The South was ruled by this upper class, by men like Wade Hampton of South Carolina and the Lees and Hugers of Virginia. The Rocklands and the Bentons, like most wealthy planters, liked to think of themselves as heirs to the traditions of knights and cavaliers, and they played the part stylishly. It was their code to practice chivalry toward women, kindness to inferiors, and honor among equals. They cultivated a taste for blooded horses, fine foxhounds, handmade firearms, and the southern bells of affluent families. Many studied the arts of war, though seldom with the intention of actually using what they learned. A Mississippi planter, Jefferson Davis, stated with pride that only in the South did gentlemen who did not intend to follow the profession of arms go to a military academy. In such a world, the marriages of sons and daughters were almost as carefully planned as those of the royal families of Europe. In the latter instance, only a young man of royal blood was considered eligible for a princess. Both the Bentons and the Rocklands would have stated promptly that the only candidates they would welcome into their family must come from the minutely small group that made up the royalty of Richmond. The rigid caste system of her people was not in Melanie's thoughts as she stood facing Clay, at least not consciously. But in another sense, there was never a time when knowledge of such things was not with her. She could not have put her finger on a specific time when her parents had said to her, You must marry a man who is from your world, Melly, who is wealthy, cultured, and southern. And yet, as she looked up at Clay, her blood still not cooled after his embrace, she was aware, as she had been for years, that he was one of the few men who would be welcomed without reservation by her parents. Seeing her hesitate, Clay smiled roguishly and grasped her shoulders. You do love me, Melly. I know you do. He would have kissed her again, but just at that moment the sound of a voice filtered through the arbor, startling both of them. They stepped apart quickly, and Melanie smoothed her hair nervously. Clay, you in here? Noah Rockland's cane tapped on the stone walk that led from the house to the arbor, and his pace was so halting and slow that by the time he rounded the corner and saw his grandson and Melanie, the pair seemed calm and uninvolved. Uh, "'Here we are, Grandfather,' Clay said quickly, stepping forward to meet the old man. "'We were making plans for the ball tomorrow. Here, sit down and help us.' "'No time for that, boy.' Noah Rockland studied them, his black eyes sharp as ever, despite his seventy-three years. Time may have bent his tall figure and transformed his coal-black hair to silver, but he had lost none of the astuteness that had enabled him to create an empire out of nothing. 
Fifty years earlier he had stepped off a boat at the dock in Richmond, a penniless lad from the coal mines of Wales. With no backing, no influence, and little education, he had shouldered his way into the cloistered world of the rich planters of Virginia. He had gotten his start by means of a bay mare who could beat any horse in the country for a quarter of a mile. Moving around from meat to meat, he had won purses, then invested in a worn-out farm that he bought for almost nothing. He had purchased one slave, Jacob, and in their first year together the two of them had wrenched a bumper crop of cotton from the Wobegon farm. Noah still had Jacob, along with 160 other slaves, and that first farm of 120 acres was now lost in an ocean of over 50,000 acres, all rich black land that sprawled over much of the county. Only one thing held as much importance in Noah Rockland's heart as his self-made empire, and that was his wife.